<laughs> it's good to be alive. There are, uh, you know, uh, great opportunities that we have by just simply being here, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that I'm alive to be able to experience the Lord. I'm glad that I'm alive to be able, be able to experience fellowship and with you tonight. Uh, it's, it's all opportunity. Every one of you, from the, from the oldest to the youngest, it's all opportunity. And we, as God lays the table before you, I hope that you take full advantage of what God places before you in your life. Because uh, make no mistake that what God puts before you was made to be taken. It was made to be taken. When you sit down at your table and, and, and uh, whoever prepares food in your house sets something really good in front of you, you don't just stare at it. You get it and you, you, you take advantage of it. Amen. And, and God has a great table spread for each one of us tonight, whether you're young or whether you're old. The, the table is, is equal across the board, and, and, and God is here tonight uh, with that table spread. So kids, be uh, uh, enjoying your service tonight, and Sean, you can be dismissed too. I got the recording. Yes. Somebody excited. Wow. Yeah. Like we need to be. I want to pray a very particular prayer tonight as the kids went to the back. Um, you know, I love to see our children going to the back. You know, we have lots of vigor, lots of energy. Um, as you look around and there's people missing, some people dealing with sickness, some people dealing with just adversities, everybody dealing with some sort of diverse something, whatever that is. So I'm going to pray a particular prayer tonight. You know, we, we pray for the youth, but tonight I want to pray for the adults. I want to pray a very particular prayer for the ones that are dealing with things and struggling with things because as much as, you know, it's great to see all the, the children here, but the church needs adults to represent for the children. Does that make sense? The, the adults need to see, or children need to see adults here, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. So, let's, I want to pray this prayer tonight. Father, Lord, we just come into you, Lord, and I, I pray a, a prayer, Father God, Lord, for the struggling. God, for, for the ones who are sick and dealing with things. Father, we come against the enemy in Jesus' name, and we come against the attack of the enemy. We bind up the stratagems of the enemy. And Father, I pray a prayer, Father God, of peace and release, Father God, of, of the trials and the tribulations that some have been facing. Father God, I pray uh, your, your hand in the midst uh, of, of difficult times, Lord. I pray for an increase in stamina. I pray for an increase in focus. I pray, Lord God, for a spiritual focus, Lord. And I pray, God, that your, your hand would touch these, these adults, Father God, and the ones who are leaders in, in Rock Harbor Church, Father God, and raise them up, Father God, from these situations they've been dealing with, Lord. Father God, you, Father God, with you, all things are possible, Lord. And God, I'm just asking, Lord, this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We represent. We represent the Lord. Amen. And it's a serious thing when you represent the Lord. It's a big thing. Um, and as pastor said many times, the church needs you. The church, the church needs people. Um, you know, I've gotten into, I've, I've watched videos and different stuff and, and talked conversations, uh, different things about, you know the importance of church, and and, and there's there is a, a new wave, and I'm not, I don't want to stay on this too long, but there's there's a bit of a wave now of of even Christians. Pastor and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, Christians not necessarily believing that that church is really even essential. It, there's there's this bit of a belief system that you can just be a Christian 
We don't need all of that stuff. I don't necessarily need to come out there and be with you and be a part of what you're doing. I don't need to do that. And I, you're starting to see that kind of trending. You know, when you're on the internet, it says trending. This is what's trending. Uh, people that don't think it's necessary to come to church, trending, like number one, number two, trending. It's a big thing. Is that it's not that big of a deal. I always, I've always said this. I've always said, it's, if, if, if we're our, our professing Christians and, and we practice Christianity and the belief of, of Christ being our Savior, and you don't want to be here, that's your first red flag. Something's not right about that. Uh, it's in, and as we were saying earlier about celebration, I think that when we're here, we are, that's exactly what we were doing. I was asked a long time ago, why do you go to church from a non from a non-believing individual? He asked me, he said, why do you even go to church? And I said, why do you go to football games? You like football, right? And he said, yes. I said, you go to have fun and you go to celebrate. And there's nothing wrong with that. I go to church to do the same thing. So it's, it'd be kind of like somebody that was fanatical about a particular sport. And you said, let's go watch them play. And they said, oh, awful. No way. Why don't you want to see your favorite team play? Oh, no one want to do that at all. Seems like a contradiction, right? Now you're on. Now you're onto it. It's a bit of a contradiction to say that we want to be involved in Christianity, but I don't want to have anything to do with what goes on at church. That's for y'all. I got my own thing going over here. Just something contradictory about that. So anyway, Pastor, you're going to say something. I'll go ahead. <laughs> we can talk. Like it's all struggles. Sure. It's good to fight the struggles, but it's just not like playing don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What church thing does be honest and truthful? Sure. Quit skirting the issues and tiptoeing around. And, you know, if you don't teach people under the power of conviction, then they're never going to do it. And what's the family? Yeah. Not only the kids need to see adults here, we all need to see each other. Yeah. Yeah, we need to see each other. I'm not just saying that from a pastoral angle. I mean, if I just kind of like y'all are, uh, spectators, the same yeah. here. Yeah. I count on other people. I, you know, but again, that's a probably a whole other deal. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's go to <coughs> the book of Genesis tonight. Hallelujah. What Genesis? A little bit of a. Uh, a different pace. If the Lord appeared here tonight, and we talked about this being a celebration, and we talked about birthday parties, what, what's something, what do you give at a birthday party? Presents. Presents. You give gifts. It's just part of the, it's part of the deal, you know? If you're going to have a celebration, you have a party, in most cases, there are there is some sort of a gift exchange some sort and so let's imagine it like this this is a celebration and the lord appears physically in physical form and this is his party right this is his thing imagine in your just think in your mind if you were going to give him a gift what would you give him just think about it he, he appears. We're at a party. This is where we're at. We're celebrating him. That's he's, he's the reason we are here. And we celebrate and we got adoration. And here comes the time to give the gift. We're gonna give, we're gonna give him some gifts. Uh, we, we've got him, we, we, we each one comes with their own. What do you give him? 
You got to ask yourself that question because we're going to go somewhere with this tonight. What do you give the king of kings? What do you give him as a gift? And so there was this particular uh, set of scriptures tonight that the Lord laid on my heart. And, and I went back and I studied and I read over them. And I studied them and they excited me. And, and I said, this is, a, this is, Lord, this is a good message. Uh, so we look in uh, chapter 4, the book of Genesis. It's a very familiar set of scriptures. Talking about Cain and Abel. On a personal note, if he was, if he he is here, not in a physical form, but he he is here. But if he showed up in physical form, I'd be really excited. I really would, and I'd want to give him something that he'd really like. You with me? I'd want to give him something that he would really like. Now let's look at this story of Cain and Abel. In, uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4, and it says, And Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, I want to point something out. And Pastor and I were talking about this the other day. When you go back, there, at this point in Genesis, there's not a written law at this point. What we can agree on is that up to this point, evidently there has been some sort of sacrificial system been put in place in order to abide by. Because if there hadn't, there wouldn't have been, uh, Cain wouldn't have already uh, been in this place where he is making an offering unto the Lord. Now, the Bible itself is not exactly clear about what parameters this sacrificial system was, but we can tell that there was a sacrificial system. And we know from the written law, if, if God keeps theme with that, then we know that there are particulars that have to be followed. Now, you have to keep in mind as, as we're going over this, there are some things as I explain them that I was enlightened through through scripture and then some things that I'm pulling out simply because it points to that. Obviously when we covered this, I don't have every measure and every every I dotted and every T crossed because there is a lot of vague areas in the book of Genesis as far as what was actually going on. So, and I'm and I'm I love to study this kind of stuff and I like to try to fill the void but I'm always careful about how I explain it because if I explain it to you, I want it to be the absolute truth. I don't want you to take it and say, man, they're telling me that it was, this is what actually happened. No, I'm going to tell you what it seems to point to, and then I'll tell you the things that the Word is actually saying here. So it said that, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Well, first of all, we know that as Cain being a tiller of the ground, he's bringing an offering of what he's involved in, and then Abel is bringing an offering based on what he is involved in. So we, we know that they're both bringing an offering. So the, the thing that stood out to me as I studied this was the word offering, which in the Greek is min, minkal. That's the, way, that's the way you say that, it's minkal. And it actually means, specifically speaking, specifically sacrificial. 
That's what that means. So when, when we're talking about an offering, we are talking about a sacrificial offering. So what that says is you think, well, okay, we already knew that. No, what that means is, is that this was done with purpose. This wasn't, this wasn't some fumbling offering. There was an actual parameter and a demand for this offering. You look that up and you start to study that process, and this is one of those things, it pointing. This, that particular word is pointing to the importance of what he was bringing. It was important. It was a big issue. So he's, he's bringing his stuff, and Abel's bringing his stuff, and, they, and I don't know exactly what it looked like and how it all comes together. I don't know if they were both standing side by side or if they come one at a time. We don't exactly know the system. We just know that at the appointed time, they were bringing their sacrifice unto the Lord. And, and the Lord had, and it said there, it said, And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now, I want you to catch what's said there, because a lot of times, I, and I've missed this, I've missed this part a lot in, when studying this, is that he had, the Lord said, he said he, the Lord had respect unto Abel. That was the first thing he said, was Abel. Oh, I forgot many times that I just kind of set the offering off to the side. He specifically points out, the word points out that he had respect, meaning acceptance for Abel, the individual that he was, what he was doing, what was going on in his heart, his intents. That's why the word points out that he had respect unto Abel and to his offering, meaning that was an acceptable offering and that Abel was in the correct frame of heart and frame of mind and his motives were good and everything lined up the way that it was supposed to. And it says, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. He didn't accept it. Sacrifices and I want to I take that word sacrifice and I want to look at it like this for just a minute. When we start talking about sacrifices, when I if I say if I say to you tonight, I say you're going to need to sacrifice something uh, to get to where you want to go. What do you think that means? If I tell you you need to sacrifice, what is that? What's what what goes through your mind? What do you think? What do you think that's going to be? Is that going to be easy or is that going to be tough? It'll be tough. We talk when we talk about sacrificing. When you sacrifice something, it's never easy. Never. When we do, um, you think about the, the song, we bring the sacrifice of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of sacrifice. Is it easy to bring the sacrifice of praise? In concept, yes. You know, if I was looking on paper and said, the only thing you need to do is go in that building and praise the Lord. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody can raise their hands. But are we really bringing the sacrifice of praise? Pastor, you pastor's challenged us with this many times. It's like, okay, look, I mean, I can see everybody's here, and it seems like we've got, most of everybody's got their hands raised, but what are we really doing inside? What's really going on? And are we really giving the Lord a sacrifice of praise? Well, that's just one thing. There's so many areas in our life in which we sacrifice unto the Lord, and we give him say here it is you say well lord here's my life here's my life well that's that's there's a lot entailed in that i mean there's a lot of things that are uh, you know wrapped up in that there's there's the job and there's uh uh your future now your past 
um, everything that you, that takes place on the job uh, within a day, uh, the words that come out of your mouth. There's so many things that are sacrifices unto the Lord. And let me use words for an example. How many of you have ever said something and as you are, you know, you're saying it, you're talking to somebody and, and maybe the Lord grips your heart and he's like, oh, that's not a good topic to talk about. And you stop. You're like, oop, sorry about that. I'm not going to talk about that. Do you realize that that's a sacrifice unto the Lord? You're sacrificing. It's, it's, it's hard to do. Why? Because there's something inside of you that would like to do something different. Um, worship under the Lord. It's not always it's not always an easy thing to get into because there's so many things uh, factors fighting against us. But then you you've heard us talk about pressing through. You ever pressed through before? Amen. When you press through, and you look at the word press, that that actually is speaking about effort. When you press into something, you press into the Lord, it's actually going to take some effort to get through. There's going to be some things that are standing in your way. And rest assuredly, there's going to be a whole lot of sacrifice to get to that place that you want to be. Everybody can say, I want to be close to the Lord. But are we willing to sacrifice the things that it takes to actually have that kind of relationship? What kind of sacrifices are we willing to make? Are we willing to make the correct sacrifices in order to obtain the kind of relationship that we really want to have? And, and I, uh, I say this, you have to define exactly what it is that you want from the Lord. And I think sometimes that's even a bit scary because you may find yourself in a place that you really don't want a lot. And, and that should that should sign some that should sound some sirens off inside of us when when we look at ourselves and think I really don't want a lot of the Lord. Well, there should be there's a problem if there's not a hunger and a thirst inside of us. Then I can I can tell you, church, if there's no hunger and there's no thirst, then there won't be the proper steps to make the proper sacrifices. There, are, God is. Thankfully, we're not in the old system or we're not doing the old things anymore. So there's not a necessity of bringing a physical thing in front of him. But as far as sacrifices go, sacrifices are still practiced today. They shall look the same as they used to. And so what we have is a contrast between Cain and Abel. And it's an age-old story. You've, you've got Cain on one end and, and he brings his, his offering and, and you've got Abel, and he brings his offering, and the Lord says, I accept your offering, and I accept you. That's important. I accept your offering, and I accept you. And Cain, I don't accept you, and I don't accept your offer. I wished I, wished I knew exactly what the parameters were and exactly what was, was demanded, what we do see. In verse 4 is that it specifically points out that Abel brought his firstlings which means in the midst of the flock he brought the best he brought his, he brought his best you look that up you'll find out that he gave uh, a meticulous effort into making sure he fit whatever criteria was set before him in order to please the Lord he knew he asked me to do it like this. Now, I'm, I'm telling you this because when he when this particular scripture here of firstlings, it points. It's pointing. 
it's pointing to things that God had set in place and that he demanded that be followed. And so Abel is taking some serious time to make sure that everything is the way it needs to be. Cain, from what we can tell, I, I, I guess in a sense, if I could, if I could put it like this, let me, let me, it, I can almost see it like this. He just goes up and he gets his shovel, puts it in the wheelbarrow, something like this. He puts it in there and he grabs some stuff up, he throws it in there, grabs some other stuff and throws it in there. He goes, there, there's my offering. He goes, you with me? Not, not really planned out, not really paying much attention to the criteria of what was demanded. It was it, uh, thrown together, put together quickly, and then he brings it before the Lord. And I don't know what the, the relationship was. Obviously, they had direct contact, as far as we can tell, to the Lord and his acceptance of these things or, or denial. And I, I think about myself, and I think, once again, I go back to the question. If he was here right now and I had to give him a gift, what would I give him? What would, what would be the thing that I would bring to him that would please him? What would, what would that be? What would I give him? All right. Let's let's keep let's keep going. But he said unto Cain and, to, and, and he said, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now that was that literally means his face changed. He changed. He's upset. He's frustrated. So I I, I, I try to always put myself in in the character's shoes and try to imagine kind of what my feelings would be and, and kind of walk through the steps and here I am and I've thrown something together and I've thrown it together lazily and I'm trying to get away with as little as possible. You with me? I'm trying to get away with as little as possible. And I run this thing up there to him and he said, no, I can't accept that. And now he's angry. And, and you think about this. You think about any time in your life when you, had, you refused to take responsibility for your actions, when somebody confronted you, when you, maybe your boss confronted you and said, hey, you're slacking. Or maybe your spouse told you, you're not living up to your end of the deal in this, in, in, in this relationship. You're not doing your part. And the first thing we do, the first thing is anger. That's the first response because when you're taking responsibility for your actions, there's humility. There's not anger, there's humility. So as I was walking through these steps, I, I, I got a kind of, a, we get a glimpse of Cain's attitude and he's not taking responsibility for his actions. He's not looking at the criteria that was set before him. Now he doesn't care about that. That doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is, is that the Lord rejected it. His countenance fell and now he's angry. He's not humbled. He's not humbled with the truth. Remember, what's the truth supposed to do? It's supposed to set us free. No, it's not supposed to make you angry. So anytime, anytime that in our, in our lives when we've been confronted with things, you know, that are hard to digest, even spiritually. You know, we've all been hit with stuff. You've been hit with things that, that are hard to digest spiritually, hard to digest physically. Somebody comes in, tells you something. Maybe, maybe you thought you were doing your part, and then you found out, no, we, we demand more, more from you. More was demanded of you, and you didn't do your job. Well, you're angry. What? Well, it was their fault or that person's fault, right? Do we not do that? At a default, we point fingers. It was your fault. It was, it was you. You kept me from doing what I was able, needed to do. Now we need to turn it around and look at ourselves. And we accept that responsibility and we realize it's on me. So truth should spark not only, obviously, freedom, 
That's the end result. That's the that's the byproduct. But humility, not anger. So in, in, in your own life, if, you, if anger is the first thing that arises when you're confronted with the truth, that should be a sign. Now, I'm not exactly where I need to be as, a, as an individual. If your spouse approaches you and says, hey, listen, there's, there's something wrong here, and you get angry, there might be something wrong there. I'm just, I'm just throwing these things out there so you can you really uh, chew on those things. Um, and the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? Well, the Lord is, he's always creative, always. He's creative in his question asking. He never says anything without purpose. He's not just saying this just for the fun of it. He is asking a legitimate question because there was something in place and he knew what he needed to do to get acceptance of the Lord. And so when he asked this question, he is asking in the sense of, I put these things in place why are you sad about something that you knew you needed to do? Why are you upset? You knew what you needed to do. You know what needed to be brought uh, before the altar in order to, to please me. Now, why didn't you bring that? And so I put that same, I take that right out of, that, out of the text, and I put that in my life, and I, and I ask myself that very question. So why don't I bring my absolute best when I know that is what's demanded of me. Why? Why, 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 why don't I do that? When God has put these things in place and he said, this is what I need from you, and then I try to find another way around it as quickly as possible, path of least resistance. Have you ever noticed that as we serve the Lord, he's definitely not about a path of least resistance. <laughs> you figured that out? He's not. He's not about that. He is not about a path of least resistance. He is about trials. He like, he's, he's okay with that. He's okay with you enduring some things in your life. He's okay with you going through and, and, and having to deal with some things and difficulties. Why? Because they're good for you. It's kind of like sitting at the table as a kid and you had to eat your Brussels sprouts, right? I hate those things, oh, but they're good for you, right? You have to force your kid to feed them. Sometimes I think the Lord has to, he, you know, he kind of force feeds us in that sense that he's like, this is good for you. You just don't know it yet. This, this is a good situation to be in. You just haven't realized it yet. And so we see this, this once again, this contrast in, in, in this, you know, between the good, the good offering and the bad offering. And then now he's angry. His countenance has fallen. And, and he asks him, why are you angry about this? And he says in verse 7, he says, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? Question mark. Meaning if, you, if you've done the right thing, wouldn't have you received acceptance? Now I want you to I want you to key in on one other thing here and that you'll notice if you'll notice that Cain never replies. This is the Lord talking here. This is the King of Kings speaking. He never gets a reply from Cain. I thought that was interesting. So you could say Cain was giving the Lord the silent treatment. It's not recorded. It's not recorded that he gave him a reply. And, and if the Holy Spirit, if, I think if he would have replied, I think the Holy Spirit would have had it recorded. But there was no reply here. And so he said, if, if you had done well, should you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. Now, I want you to catch this last part. And unto you shall be his desire, and you shall rule over him. And you think, wait a second, that's kind of, 
you're saying something kind of weird there. Well, I looked up a couple different interpretations to narrow this down. Let me tell you what this is saying here. What it's saying here is when he says, and if you do not, well, sin lies at the door. And your desire physically is to sin, but you've got to master it. That's what this says there. Yeah, there's a desire to do the wrong thing. He's telling, think about the advice that's coming from the father here as he tells Cain after he's angry, he's mad, he didn't get accepted, he didn't get his offering accepted, and he said, listen, there's sin lies at the door, and there's all this opportunity for you to do the wrong thing, and I know that you have the desire to do the wrong thing, but you got to master that. you got to master it, meaning I, I know you don't want to do these things. I know you don't want to pray like you know you need to. I know you don't want to read the word. I know you don't want to devote yourself like you need to. But you got to master that. We talk about masteries, and there's other scriptures I could talk to uh, about tonight about masteries in the in, in the kingdom, in the kingdom realm, and, and mastering the things that we need to master as Christians. And the fact that we should be on meat, not on milk, right? We should be chewing heavy things, and not just you know on the bottle. And so this is exactly what he's telling him here. In this sense, he's saying, hey, I know it's right there at the door, but you, you're going to have to get a hold of yourself. you got to understand what's been demanded of you, and you're going to have to follow that. And so as we take this text right here and we apply it to the new covenant and all the commands that we've been given, we've been given so many different commands and so many different things. And, and no, tonight, I'm talking to you know, I'm talking to seasoned Christians in here. Every one of you, I can see every one of you face, every one of you know what it's like to pray. Every one of you know what, what the knock feels like. Every one of you knows that. Every one of you knows when the Lord challenges you. When he says, I want less of this in your life right here, and I want more of this over here. Every one of you know what that feels like. Every one of us. Now, I don't know your life. I just know mine. So all I can say is this. I ask myself this question. Why don't I respond properly? Why don't I come with the correct sacrifice? He's asking me for a sacrifice. He's saying, I want you to, I want you to put this thing down. And I say, well, I'm working on it. You know what concerns me about saying I'm working on it? I'm not saying, if you're saying that, that's fine. It's fine. Keep saying it. But let me tell you how I see it and how I perceive it from, from Tanner's perspective. I'm scared to say I'm working on it. Do you know why? Because that makes me feel really comfortable. It does. To tell you that I'm working on it makes me feel good about it. And I know there is no reason to feel good about it. I should not be letting myself off the hook like that. Why? Well, because I'm afraid I'm probably going to be working on it for the next 20 years. When God's plan was for me to get over it a long time ago. When God's plan was to excel me and push me further. And to, to show me things in the spirit realm. But yet, because I'm working on it, I'm working on it. How long are you going to work on it? Can I ask that question? How long are you going to work on it before you're not working on it no more? And before you are actually over over it and you're by it and you've mastered it and you're done with it i think that's a question that you really gotta you gotta ask yourself because every one of us have got things in our life that we're you know we're dealing with and we're fighting with and so what we if we're if we're looking at it from that angle of i'm working on it i'm i'm gonna get better at it when you know if you look at it if i ask you if i take a poll tonight and i say well how long have you been working on it? if you tell me well five years Six years, seven years. Then you just ask me, just, just ask yourself. When do we draw the line? When? When do we draw the line and say, 
All right, I'm putting it down. When? Because what he is challenging you with is the proper sacrifice. And, and the whole time, I'm, I'm being Cain. The whole time, I'm, I'm acting like Cain. I'm bringing him this, this load of stuff that I just threw together, and I'm like, here it is. What do you think? And he looks at it, and he says, no, that's not what I asked for. I asked for this. You know I asked for it. I spoke to you directly. You knew what it was. Sacrifice. What is the proper sacrifice in your life? You understand, where we're, you see where we're going with this now because it's not, it's not always, uh, well, eh, let me put it this way. It is cut and dry. Absolutely, it's cut and dry from page to page. All around this word, it's cut and dry, absolutely. But there are times when the Lord challenges you individually. He challenges you. Uh-huh. He says, I need you to make the sacrifice. And he has to make a decision whether to do it or not. And then we'll, I, I truly believe that we stay. We stay in a very particular place. Not, not that we're going to just rot away, but we don't go where it is that he wanted us to go. Now, I try to think of what would have happened had Cain brought the proper sacrifice in this situation. Well, they both would have been accepted, not just one. And what a great relationship they would have had growing up. Who knows how good it would have been. But because of disobedience, it takes us into the final phase of this lesson. Verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Pay very close attention to this conversation. This is a conversation between Cain and the Lord. And the, and, and, and the Lord asked him, He said, Where is Abel, your brother? Do you think that he didn't know where he was? Of course not. This is a loaded question. He knows. He knows where it's at. This is going somewhere. And he said, um, oh, wait, No, I'm sorry. Uh, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, I don't know about the Greek and the translation and all of that, but that would be sarcasm now, and I believe that's a bit of sarcasm then. You know, he hasn't, recorded-wise, after being um, reproofed and corrected about how to properly bring a sacrifice, he get, we got no response. He hadn't said anything. This is the first time he speaks since that. And the, the thing that he says is am I my brother's keeper? I can almost see the I can almost hear the sarcasm dripping from his lips as he says it. We can I can still hear anger in his voice. He's still angry. And he and he said, God, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries unto me from the ground. You think his blood cried? Why? Why does blood cry? Because blood has power. Blood has power. There's evidence right there that blood has power. He said, your, yeah, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And you think that, he, that in this case, this murder cries to him? What do you think all of the abortions do to him? Mm-hmm. Think about that. This is just one, one murdered life. We think about all the, other, all the other blood spilled out there. You think that cries under the Lord? You bet it does. And I truly believe it's one of the things that ultimately invokes his wrath. Verse 11, and now, are you cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive your brother's blood from my hand? When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield 
unto you her strength, a fugitive and a vagabond shall you be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from your face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. He's just basically confessing everything that he told him. And it shall come to pass that everyone who finds me shall kill me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. I'm not going to get into the last part because that's a whole different story. My point as I end this tonight is this. As this conversation between him and the Lord comes to a, a, a conclusion, and the Lord tells him, You're cursed. You're cursed. The, the ground is cursed. The people around you are going to see that you're cursed. Nothing is going to be the same from this point forward. Now, that's exactly, that's exactly. See the ramifications? What were the ramifications? Well, the ramification was separation. That was the ramification. Separation. Uh, lack of prosperity. Not, not so much, obviously, physically. Yeah, it was prosperity. I mean, what did they, what did he, if he's a tiller of the ground, what's he need the ground to do? Produce. So the, the very thing that he was a master at was cut. He's like, no, that's not going to work for you anymore. It's not going to work. You're cursed. Now, it doesn't exactly work like this now because we're living under the new covenant. But I'll tell you what does happen is that you do it to you. That's what happens. So well, who, who cheated me out of this? Who keeps me from getting to where I need to go? You do. You do. There's nothing standing in our way right now spiritually speaking and otherwise because if we're going to talk about the, the country aspect of it you got all the freedom to come and go as you please sometimes I think that that's you know <laughs> sometimes I think the freedom's in a sense a worse enemy but see the God had always designed it that way he always set it up for you to be able to make the choice and the decision the problem is, is that we just don't always make the right decisions Amen. You got There are. There's a. There's a. There's a great blessing in being able to have freedom of choice. But there's a, a great burden if you go off and make the wrong choices. And this is exactly what Cain done. He made a series of. He made a series of. Or made one particular bad choice. But in that, a bunch of choices, and it separated him from God. It separated him from family. It separated him from all the people that he was close to. For what? Because he didn't want to bring the proper sacrifice. The Lord, the, or the, the, the words says that he's coming after a bride that is spotless, spotless and, and blemishless. That's the, that, that is the church, the prepared church that, is, uh, that he's coming back for. We talked a bit about this the other night just in passing in the back and, and what is expected of us that we, we prepare our lamps. We, 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 put, we get the oil and that we're ready for the return of the Lord. We've got, a, we've got a, long, a long life to live. Every one of us have got a life. You get to choose what you want to do with it. You get a choice. And so as the Lord challenges you and has challenged you in your life, my challenge tonight is this, that we listen to that challenge. We listen to it. As he is, he's asking us for sacrifice. And he's, he's chiding us. He's saying, hey, I want you to come to church more. I want you to be there. I want you to pray more often. I want you to let me have your life. I want you to let me do these things. And there were some things prompted to me the other night in, in prayer. And I knew it was the Lord. 
I stopped and I said, well, now Lord, I just, I don't know, Lord. I don't know about this. We got to turn loose. Mm-hmm. We got to let that go. Amen. Let our doubts go and allow him to do what he does best and make the sacrifice that he's asking you to make. Make the sacrifice. When we do that, we're going to get the blessings. We're going to get, uh, we're going to end up uh, like Abel did, accepted. Where we need to be with God. I do not want to make decisions in my life that take me away from God and that ultimately may end up keeping me away from Him forever. Would you stand it up? Gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we gather here tonight, Lord, we just, we honor you, we praise you, and we thank you for another opportunity that you've given us. And Father, as, as from this point forward, God, as, as we hear your word, God, as, as Pastor brings us Sunday morning, Father, as we have discussions on Sunday nights, Lord, I pray, God, as you lead us and guide us, that we, we hear that challenge of sacrifice and that we obey it. Father, it's not easy. It's, it's going to cause us to get uncomfortable at times, to get out of our comfort zones, to take ourselves uh, out of the way that we're normally used to doing things. But, Father, I pray that we make the sacrifice, Father, for you. And we do it, God, with a, a heart full of you. And, God, I just pray for direction tonight, God, in our lives. Each one of us, Lord, give us direction. Father, I pray for, for, for the struggling and the hurting, Father, God. I pray for the, the, the decisions, God. To, to continually to make decisions towards you and not away from you. God, that we make decisions, God, uh, for, for the kingdom, God, for kingdom decisions, Lord, and not just decisions for us. Amen. God, I just give you praise for this tonight. Thank you for this congregation, yes, Lord. Lord. Thank you for the ones that are here, Father God, and we just praise you and thank you, God, for this tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Freedom is a two-edged sword. It is. Two-edged sword. Make the decision to make the proper sacrifice. Pastor, do we have any announcements before we dismiss tonight? Uh, I don't think so. Just anything? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thing coming up. Yeah. You know, we. You know, you always encourage. Uh, <laughs> we always encourage bring somebody with you. Bring one of the church members with you. <laughs> just we're gonna start let's start there let's start there and let's bring them back and then we'll start bringing everyone else in let's start with that and i mean that in fun i mean that in all fun god bless you tonight uh jesse would you dismiss us heavenly father we just thank you for this opportunity tonight father father we just pray that uh that we we live to sacrifice we we live for the sacrifice not for comfort father we just give all to you we just pray that you take us all throughout the rest of the week safe. Bring us back here safely Sunday, Father. Be with each and every one of us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.